So who, um, in their regular daily dialogues, sings their dialogue? Oh, you're going to be weird. <laughs> Come on, imagine, imagine you just kind of, all of a sudden just break out into song and your dialogue becomes a song. Um, I was either going to put this up or Mamma Mia, so you're happy I put this one up, right? Um, the, the thing about musicals and how they just kind of break out into song and dance about everyday things is amazing. Um, I'm not a, necessarily a big fan of musicals, but I love Fiddler on the Roof. And I love the way he turns just everyday conversations into song. Um, the funny thing is that we, we have a Bible that tends to break out into song quite often. In fact, the first song we encounter is this song that we just read earlier, Exodus chapter 15. It's the first song we encounter, even though there is quite a lot of poetry leading up to this point. This is the first time they actually announce we're singing. And from here on, the book is completely and absolutely... How do we get to that slide? Did we lose something? Uh, hmm. There you go. We'll go with that one. <laughs> you can't read or help reading the Bible without noting how much singing is actually going on. And this is really uh, quite fascinating. There's a lot of singing. Uh, apart from just the largest book in the Bible that happens to be in the middle of it, um, there's just a lot of other singing going on. Even times in which we don't know they're singing, they're actually singing. The Bible sometimes translates it as they, they're talking, but, but the Hebrews in their teaching have always sung it. Whether you're in the Old Testament, and you can see Isaiah chapter 44, where he sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and all you trees, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. And then when you go to the end of the Bible, you go to Revelation, a lot of that is actually song. There's a lot of singing going on. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. For a book that is full of song, well, you would think his people need to be full of song as well, right? And singing can be quite a daunting task in church, can it not? I've been a part of many, many congregations and the biggest fights, the biggest divisions usually happen around singing. I don't know why. I don't know how. For some of us, it's, it's elusive, this idea of worship. It's not a modern day thing, right? It's not like something we do every day. And some of us even struggle on a Sunday to come here and worship. For some of us, it's the songs that we just don't connect with or the music doesn't sound right or we're not in the right place. It's difficult, it's elusive. And yet we have a Bible that's full of worship. But it's a little different from we, what we would call maybe worship today. First of all, it's theocentric. Theocentric means it's God-centric. Every song you read from, from Moses' song to Mary's song to, to the saints in Revelation 
it's all God-centered. But as you get further into the Bible, and especially when you get to Revelation, it becomes Christ-centric. It, it turns to focus its intent. In the book of Revelation, all the singing is about the Lamb, about Jesus. Worship is a fascinating concept. It was the one thing that alienated me for church for so long. Being a musician, I still found music in church being really weird and worshiping something that I really was having a hard time grasping or connecting. It was a sermon that converted me. It was a sermon that captured my attention. It was a sermon that always brought me closer to God. But as I grew in my Christian walk, I found worship to be a powerful moment. But now I'm going through a different phase. I'm finding, okay, what is worship now in church? What, what does worship really look like? What does the Bible tell us? What does this song of Moses show to us what worship is really about and how should it be? I'm, I'm really cautious this morning because we, we have a team that came up and sung and lead and are wonderful. So don't hear me criticizing anything they do because they're the last people I'd wish to criticize. But I do want to challenge us on how we worship. Because immediately as these people have witnessed this incredible, uh, incredible miracle of the sea dividing in chapter 14 coming out of Egypt they are now encountered with the first moment where they together as a people of God about to set out, they worship God together. Which lays the foundation for all the worship that leads on. So how does this look like? How do we take this and bring it to where we are today? How can this influence the way we worship today? Well, there's two points I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to be really courageous and bring out some, some songs that we may have sung, not recent songs, because I don't want to pick anything recent to put anybody on the spot. And then we're going to analyze things a little bit. And we're going to compare it to what the Bible tells us to what we have been doing. The first point I want to bring up is this, the focus of our worship. What is worship actually supposed to be focused on? Right? And here's a song from 1986. Now, those of you who have been around this church. I don't think we've ever played this in a church, in our church here, that I, since I've been here anyway. But some of you who have been around the traps for a while might have heard this song. It's, it's, it's actually a really good song. And, and please hear me, I'm not questioning the quality of the song or how great the song is. We're putting it in the context of worship, right? So the song is, Jesus, we want to thank you. Jesus, we want to thank you. Jesus, we want to thank you. Thank you for being so good. Jesus, we want to praise you. Jesus, we want to praise you. Jesus, we want to praise you. Praise you for being so good. Savior, we just want to serve you. We want to serve you. We want to serve you. Serve you for being so good. And Jesus, we know you are coming. We know you're coming. We know you're coming. Take us to live in your home. I actually remember leading this song. That's a long time ago, yes. But what is the focus of the song? The actual focus is us. It's what we're doing, right? We're thinking, we're praising, we're serving, we're knowing, 
it's centered around the worshiper, not the worship. And here is the first thing. We tend to lose our focus when it comes to worship. It tends to be about what we are about. Lord, I need you. Lord, we, we need you. That's a prayer. That's supplication. It's not worship. It's not to say that we shouldn't use the eyes or the we's or the us. Those are important when it comes to worship. In fact, when you look at the opening of this Exodus song, the first two verses are all about I, us, he, and we. But guess what happens after verse two? Not once for the next 16 verses will you hear I, we, or us. The focus is solely and wholly on God, who God is and what he has done. Praise you for the God that you are. Praise you that your name will be heard amongst the, all the nations. Praise you for splitting the sea in half. Praise you. They don't even, they don't even refer to themselves in, in, in the present. They refer to themselves when they do in the third person. And if you go to the New Testament and you look at Luke chapter one and you open up your Bibles and you read Mary's song, same exact format. First couple of verses, I am so blessed. I can't believe you picked me. And then the next 10 verses, all about the greatness of God. Never once mentioning Mary herself or anything else. The focus of our worship now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to criticize. I'm here to challenge. Because sometimes it's not easy coming up here and leading you guys in worship. Because these guys cop a lot of flack, more so than the preacher at times. So it's not about that. But the challenge is, what is our worship about? Who are we focusing on? We are focusing on God because He is God. He's not parting the sea for my benefit. He's parting the sea because He's God and He's all powerful. He's not doing it just to redeem Israel, He's doing it to show the world that He is God and praise Him. <laughs> Israel took this, this model and every song after that is, is basically almost following this line. As the deer pants for the water, so I long for you, Lord. But go to verse four and five and six and see how quickly the eyes and the wheeze and the us disappear and it's all about the goodness and greatness of God. The second point I wanna share is the reason of our worship. Um, here's another song. This one's even older, so I don't know if anyone would have heard this. But I mean, these songs also sound very similar to some of the songs we sing today. This one was done back in the 70s. Uh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so, for Jesus is the sweetest name I know. What does that mean? Is he a lollipop? 
What's the reason for him being sweet? I mean, sometimes we sing, and I don't even know half the time if we realize what it is that we're saying. Is he really sweet? Because I don't know what that means. What is the reason for us worshiping Jesus? Is it because he's really sweet? That's why we love him? Sure, okay, yeah, I get that. My wife calls me sweet sometimes. But it's more than that. The reason for our worship is because he is the son of God. He saved us. It's not because of any sweetness. It's because of what he's done for us. And so what is it that he's done? What is it that we're grateful for? Why do we worship him? And sometimes we lose track of that. And when you go to chapter 15 of Exodus and you read, the initial part's personal. Hey, thank you for saving us. But then they go straight into the worship. You are God. You rescued your people. They're talking in the third person. You rescued me. No, no, you rescued your people. And we're part of that. You showed Egypt who you are. You defeated those gods. You alone stand high. You alone are worthy of worship. You read through it and you're like, oh, wow, okay. That's the reason why we worship him. It's not just the focus. There's a reason why. And Mary's the same when, when she gets this news that she's, she's pregnant, which most people are happy when they're pregnant, but not when you don't have a husband yet. Sometimes that's a bit disconcerting, right? Oh, I'm pregnant, huh? Oh, gee. She's excited. She knows what God's doing. And there's a reason why she's worshiping God. Because she knows he will do great things, just like he had done with Israel, just like he had done with Abraham, just like he had done with all the prophets in the past and where he's brought us to now. He has done great things and he will continue to do great things. And so the reason for her worship is far deeper than just what he's doing for her. Or because he's sweet. You know, one of the difficulties, I think, and one of the reasons why we end up splitting over music and why there's always... It's because when we come into worship, we forget that we spend the whole week thinking about ourselves. And Sunday, in that one hour that we've got, we need to stop thinking about ourselves. That it's actually God-focused now. doesn't matter what I want. doesn't matter what I feel. Can I still worship God? And for some of us, that, that's difficult. Don't get me wrong. I've got a lot of questions with him. Second funeral yesterday. That wasn't fun. It was a wonderful day. But I'm still pretty ticked. A week and a half ago, Monica and I get a notice that we have to move out because they're selling the house we're living in. We are about to move into the third house in the last five years. I'm not happy about that. I've got a lot of good reasons to be angry with God, annoyed. But can I set that aside and come into this space and just worship him because I know he's God and if he wasn't in my life, I'd be far more miserable. Can I give him this time? Can I do what Jesus continues to petition to us to give our lives up for him? This moment, can you just stop and give yourself to him regardless of what your week might have looked like? Or what your life looks like. In this moment, can you stop and worship the God Almighty? 
because he is God. It's not easy, believe me. Um, 1925, pastor preached a sermon at Westminster and he had this comment that he made which has been immortalized because it was just brilliant. He said, the seven social sins are wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, and politics without principle. I'm just highlighting that one point. I could talk about all the rest, but I just want to focus on that worship without sacrifice. Sometimes when we sing what we like, when we hear what we want, that's not worship. And I'm not talking about the style of music here either. We come into the space once a week for the sole reason of stopping, stopping and acknowledging God as our Lord and King, acknowledging Jesus Christ for the work he did on the cross so that our lives today have a hope and a meaning that Steve that we buried yesterday is not just another piece of the earth but he continues to live knowing that we will see him again like we'll see Bron like we'll see Amanda like we'll see all the people that we have lost that though we are sad and we'll miss them we know we'll see them again. So we come into this space and regardless of what happens outside, we worship God for who he is, not for what we want or what we need. And sometimes that requires sacrifice. Believe me, people, I don't like getting up on a Sunday morning and coming here. Let me make that really clear. I'd love to sleep in. My bed was really warm this morning. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness, there's a beautiful woman laying beside me. Why would I want to leave her? I'm going to get out in this cold. My car is freezing. You're sitting there, they've got that kind of fake leather. Is it fake leather, baby? I don't even know if it's fake leather or not, but you sit in and you freeze, right? Because everything's cold. You can't even touch the steering wheel because it's cold. And then you know when it warms up, the moment you have to get back out of it. Worship is a sacrifice. Coming here on a Sunday and spending time, not just with each other, being with each other, yes, but worshiping God. That can be a sacrifice. And it needs to be a sacrifice. Because you know what? During the week, even though we make all our decisions during the week, our lives are focused on ourselves this is the moment we stop. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, all wisdom through what? Through preaching, through Bible studies, through um, fellowship. No, what, is, what do we need to do? What does it say? Psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message of Christ, 
Let the message of Christ dwell within you richly. What's the message? That he came, that he gave up his throne to come to earth, to be born in an animal trough to illegitimate young teenagers, to live in a backward country of one of the greatest empires in all history and to be shunned even in that little backward country, to then be murdered on a cross in the most gruesome way and then conquered death so that we, we are made right before the Father in heaven and we now live in hope that goes beyond the power of death, that goes beyond the stranglehold of sin, that goes beyond the overwhelming ugliness of our world. Praise be to Jesus Christ. You are Lord and King. That isn't need to be taught. There is no sermons in there. There's not, he's saying do it through song. Psalms and hymns and songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts because our week may not look great. But boy, in this moment, we know life looks awesome because we have an awesome God. Amen? Man, that's a tough sermon to preach. You should come up here and try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I've put the worship team on the spot. I call them the worship team. I know we tried to change names to music, but at the end of the day, what they're doing is leading us in worship. I've put them on the spot because the next song's got a lot of I in it. So please, just set that apart for a moment because I know Celeste has put time and effort in thinking through what to play. I know the team have practiced and have prepared themselves both spiritually and physically. So there's a few eyes in this next one and you'll see it now that I've preached it. I want you to just take a moment and set that aside and listen to the words and maybe even close your eyes and let them lead you. Give this moment to your God in heaven because the moment you walk out those doors, the world will take you over. Worship team, I just want to ask you to come up and lead us. Thank you.